Welcome to episode 232 of the Microsoft Cloud IT Pro Podcast, recorded live on May 28th, 2021. This is a show about Microsoft 365 and Azure from the perspective of IT pros and end users, where we discuss a topic or recent news and how it relates to you. This week, we catch up on some of the announcements from Microsoft Build 2021, including a listener request to talk about continuous access evaluation with Azure AD. You should get some air tags. And then we can track each other's bags around the world as they don't actually travel around the world and they stay inside our closets. We can see how long each other are not moving anywhere. (laughs) I'm willing to bet that if I put my AirTag in my bag, it very well might have its battery die before the next time I move that (laughs) bag. See, and the battery lasts the, about a year. So, <laughs> yeah. I, on the other hand, am actually going somewhere somewhat recently. I'm going down to Orlando here in two weeks. You're doing the the Dev Intersections thing. Yeah. Yes. I have switched, Scott. I am not doing the Microsoft Track or the M365. Well, sorry, not Microsoft. I'm not doing the M365 SharePoint Office. All that. I am in the Azure and AI Track of Dev Intersections this time around. Look at you getting all fancy. I am. Talking about Azure Identity. Identity, Azure AD, security, all that type of stuff. So, it should be good. But yes, I will be down there Tuesday through Thursday at the conference. And then my wife and kids are coming down. I think we might go to Legoland for a day. And then my in-laws are coming down. And then I think we might do Disney a day. As you do. So... It should be good. So if I had an air tag, you could mine would actually leave. (laughs) But I don't have some. Maybe I should get some. No, I'm even more jealous. We'll figure all that out. What do you want to talk about today? Like there was the whole build conference. There was. I mean, there was just a few things that I was complaining about. You can make fun of me complaining. (laughs) Yeah, there's kind of like the pre-show, then the pre-pre-show. And uh, what was your complaint today? That Oh, Build was too developer-focused this year. There was not enough IT pro content for Ben. That seems like... I don't know what to tell you. Like I feel like that's Microsoft doing its job when people come back and say... The developer conference was developery. Was developery? You know what? I'm used to like there being something for the IT pro. Like, just throw me a little bone, and there. Um, I mean, maybe there was this year, but no, I can't say it was a complaint. It was just interesting because I did feel like they probably did do their job, and they made it much more. It was definitely developer focused this year, which, like you said, it's a developer conference. It just came out kind of funny. Yes, yeah. I was kind of but making fun of it. I would say there's some like IT pro stuff in there. It just depends on what you're looking for along the way, right? Like if your jam was wanting to be able to deploy Azure app services on premises through Azure Arc, that's possible now, right? That, that's a thing that's yeah. out there. They added PowerShell support for durable functions with Azure Functions. That's kind of cool and, you know, sitting out there ready to go. There was some SQL stuff. Bicep, uh, they had a new release of Bicep. So Azure Bicep is up to uh, VO.4. Yep. Yeah. Well, and there was some security stuff too. There was some stuff in there. So There was some identity stuff. Yes, which we should talk about that because we had a request to talk about it in Discord. 
And it's just something we should probably talk about anyways. Yes, especially since you're talking about identity at your conference. Yeah, I should probably dive into this whole continuous access evaluation. So we can talk about that. There's some random bits and pieces. I did feel though, and maybe it's because Ignite was so close, right? Because we had Spring Ignite this year that was three months ago, two months ago. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was a lot of news there. And Build was definitely... I feel like Build was just a little lighter overall this year. And it very well may be because we had a springing night this year as well. So there was a lot of... I mean, that book of news, you compare the book of news from springing night to the book of news from Build. And springing night was a lot bigger. And I think as a result of springing night, Build was a lot more developer-centric. And maybe not quite as many announcements as years past in Build because we had the two conferences. Yeah. I I think you also have to consider that all of the various kind of teams and and different pillars that are out there, like if you consider Microsoft 365 and all the products in that portfolio versus Dynamics versus Azure versus like operating systems like Windows, like everybody's on a different release cadence as well. So sometimes you're locked into potentially just when those products are having their natural release cycles, like they might be coming to, you know, the end of like a given sprint or, or a given segment of planning where they're just ready to release a bunch of stuff. And that might line up better for some, like you said, like two months ago versus now or potentially later in the year. Yep. And come on, Scott, there is not a single storage announcement from Build that I see. That's because we got them all out before Build because we're that cool. Remember we talked about ABAC and all that stuff? Yeah. Well, and you had, yeah, you had your whole storage, your like one day storage conference too. Yeah. Outlook add-ins are a great way to improve productivity and save time in the workplace. And Sperry Software has all the add-ins you'll ever need. The Save as PDF add-in is a bestseller and is great for project backups, legal discovery, and more. This add-in saves the email and attachments as PDF files. It's easy to download, easy to install, and Sperry Software's unparalleled customer service is always ready to help. Download a free trial at sperrysoftware.com. S-P-E-R-R-Y-S-O-F-T-W-A-R-E dot com and see for yourself how great Save as PDF is. Listeners can get 20% off their order today by entering the code CLOUDIT. That's CLOUDIT, C-L-O-U-D-I-T, all one word at checkout. Sperry Software, work in email, not on email. Should we just start with continuous... Access evaluations. Uh, should we sure. should we dive into that one since we both read about it? It's in preview to start with. We can start with that. That's easy. Continuous access evaluation is now in preview, and we both just kind of were doing a little bit of reading about it before because I'd heard of it and I had started looking at it before, kind of forgot. And then when I started reading about it, it like light bulbs started going off. It's like, oh yeah, that's right. I do remember reading about this. So. What this is, is this is, I would, <laughs> I would say it's Azure AD because it is a function of Azure AD, but the initial implementation of this focuses on Office 365 products. So it's focused on Exchange, Teams, SharePoint Online, and their interaction with Azure Active Directory. Can we just take a step back? You can take a step back. Let's throw 
Azure AD out the window for a second and like think about the way and that uh, all these kind of SaaS products handle authentication. Like most of them use some type of modern auth- authentication flow, things like OAuth to go ahead and execute authentication on behalf of users. In that model, usually you'll have things like identity providers and relying parties. Like, you know, if you've ever deployed ADFS or, you know, you've done like Ping Federate, Okta, things like this, like it's all near and dear to your heart. One of the underlying issues that comes up in systems like that is you have identity providers that are issuing tokens and then those tokens are being relayed to your relying parties who are saying like, yes, my user has a valid token and they can go ahead and come in. But tokens have defined lifetimes against them, right? So a token might be alive for one hour, it might be alive for 30 minutes, it might be alive for 24 hours, like some period or segment of time, right? You think about it like a cookie. And when that token expires, you have to go back to the identity provider and get a new token. And then you'll be able to keep you know, accessing whatever system you were trying to access. But what happens with a lot of SaaS apps like Exchange or SharePoint, you know, OneDrive, things like this, is you might have periods of time where you want to revoke a token or you specifically want token lifetime to be potentially a lot lower. But that's not always a viable situation because you can't have, like, you can't be in a 10,000 person organization and have 10,000 people once a minute pegging your IDP to get a new fresh token. Like, at some point it falls apart. Like, what if DNS goes down? Like, you know, there's just too many. DNS goes down? Yeah. Uh, Well, I think there's just like a lot of inherent problems that that come into play there. But you have to balance that with security as well. So like if you're an Office 365 subscriber and you've got somebody who has a mailbox in Exchange Online and you terminate that person, you very likely want their access to be terminated right then. You don't actually want it to be terminated 59 minutes later when they actually have to go and refresh their token along the way. So continuous access evaluation is giving you this capability to have longer token lifetimes. So you're not actually pulling against your IDP constantly. Like your client isn't doing that. Your relying party isn't doing that. Your relying party is effectively given a capability where the identity provider can push events down to the relying party and say, hey, I would like you to invalidate this token right now. So you go from kind of defined token lifetime to effectively near real-time controls over when token refreshes occur from supported clients, which is kind of cool. Right, well... Although in this case, it's not necessarily doing token refreshes more often. Your token refreshes are still happening by default like once an hour or whenever you set those token refreshes. But your access is being evaluated kind of outside of that refresh is what it sounds like. So the access evaluation piece, there's events that the IDP is able to push down to a resource provider. So think about like Exchange Online as a resource provider. So you could have an event that says user account is disabled or deleted. And when that happens, Azure AD says, okay, user account was disabled or deleted. I'm going to push that event 
all the way over to Exchange. And then Exchange, the very next time it checks the token from the user, like on the next request that comes through, which is this kind of near real-time component, it's going to say, oh, the identity provider told me that this has changed. That something has changed. So you go get a fresh token now. It's effectively the relying party or, or the resource provider has the ability to go back to the client and say, like, no, no, I really need you to go get a fresh token right now, not on the order of the period of time that you were originally going to do it, like an hour, 24 hours, whatever it happened to be. Right. And that's where this comes in with that focus then on exchange teams and SharePoint is right now, those are those. Those relaying parties. Those are the three resource Azure AD providers. With, or the resource providers, right. Yeah, that support that push event from Azure AD. So, and it sounds like going through this that the goal is to be near real time. They do say that there is some latency. So, you could have up to 15 minutes for those events to propagate down. Either way, it's still quicker than the hour that it is now. Because that's why when you start talking Azure AD and refresh tokens, it's a. Uh, the default there for those access tokens validity is an hour. So now you're down to real time to 15 minutes or so. Yeah. And this has been rolled out then for also just certain actions. So they do kind of give you a few different actions that this is live for. One of the obvious ones is what you had mentioned. User termination, password changes, password resets. Where And people may have seen this, like I've seen this before, you go in and you change your password and maybe your phone doesn't prompt you to enter a new password and you continue to get email for a while and then all of a sudden you're like, you get a prompt and you're like, oh yeah, I did change my password an hour ago or something like that. So now what this does, like you said, you go change your password in Azure AD, it pushes that down to Exchange Online, to SharePoint, to Teams, and says, this user's password changed, they need to enter a new one right now before they get any email, not wait for that next token refresh to occur. Yep, you know, that subset of events that's evaluated by the IDP, like you said, they just get pushed down to those various resource providers that exist out there today. Yep. Do you feel overwhelmed by trying to manage your Office 365 environment? Are you facing unexpected issues that disrupt your company's productivity? Intelligent is here to help. Much like you take your car to the mechanic that has specialized knowledge on how to best keep your car running, Intelligent helps you with your Microsoft Cloud environment because that's their expertise. Intelligent keeps up with the latest updates in the Microsoft Cloud to help keep your business running smoothly and ahead of the curve. Whether you are a small organization with just a few users up to an organization of several thousand employees, they want to partner with you to implement and administer your Microsoft Cloud technology. Visit them at intellijink.com slash podcast. That's I-N-T-E-L-L-I-G-I-N-K dot com slash podcast for more information or to schedule a 30-minute call to get started with them today. Remember, Intelligent focuses on the Microsoft Cloud so you can focus on your business. So, and then another one of those... And this one makes sense. I hadn't necessarily thought of this one is a network location change. So this is tying into conditional access and within your conditional access policies, both in Azure AD, Office 365, you can set up trusted locations. So Scott, I'm on the network at my house. 
I am trusted from this location, but if I get outside of this location, I'm going to require some type of conditional access. Maybe I'm prompting for MFA, maybe I'm just denying access, but that evaluation of that network location change is also tied to that token refresh. So if I jump from my network to your network close enough together, it's possible that that conditional access policy around a network location change wasn't being enforced for a period of time because I still had to wait that hour to go get a new token. When I got that, it realized I had switched network locations and only then did it start denying me access. So that network location change is another one that this applies to. So it's a little weird because there's events that occur so like those things we talked about earlier, a, a user being disabled, MFA being enabled on account, those are all critical events that can be evaluated within Azure AD and, and then have that kind of push down occur. The IP address configuration isn't necessarily a critical event. It's relying on other configuration that already exists within Azure AD and conditional access policies today, where you can go in and define IP addresses and IP address ranges. It just so happens that like, even though it's not a quote-unquote critical event, you're getting the capability to do that evaluation through critical access, uh, conditional access evaluation, continuous access evaluation <laughs> as well. Like, there's, I keep wanting to just say CAE in my head, but then I know it's going to turn into like acronym soup really quick. <laughs> yeah, I feel like CAE is another acronym for something else. I can't remember what though. I'm sure it absolutely is. So there's some impacts here. Right, like you have to go and enable this. It's a preview feature. So you have to go into Azure AD, agree to the preview, kind of onboard, do all those kinds of things. You have to recognize that it only works with a subset of uh, Microsoft 365 services. So specifically, Exchange, Teams, and SharePoint Online today. And it also has varying support for clients as well. So you need to a certain degree for your clients to be able to understand this new claim challenge that they're getting from the resource provider when the resource provider is saying like, hey, this event occurred, so I need you to go back and get a get a fresh new thing. So for the policy evaluation, like the preview side of that, there's a support matrix which speaks to you know, Outlook on the web, if you do Outlook on maybe Mac, Android, iOS, or you do the Win32 client, like what's going to work and what's not going to work for you there. So like Outlook on the web is going to support this feature like today out of the gate. And and when I say support, quote unquote, in preview. So really not like supported by support, but like supported by the client, but not for Office web apps. The preview is only for parts of this. I missed that, it looks like. because And this is why I thought I had heard about this or read about this more before. The preview is actually only the conditional access policy evaluation and it is the graph functionality. So being able to use the API. I think the critical events and the uh, the other one, the token export to machines is actually out of preview. So I think there's only portions of this that are still preview just based on what I'm now gleaning as I look at this more. Anyways, keep going. The graph access preview. It's turn all this stuff on, but then pay attention to which clients 
will work and will not work with it. Like, and, yep. and will work and will not work from an expected behavior point of view. Right. So like if you're expecting that rejection of a client on user disabled for office web apps, like that's not going to happen. So if you're on things like uh, kiosk licenses today and all your users are online only, then like this may not be, you know, the thing that you want to look at along the way. Another consideration for you is you mentioned default token lifetimes. So when you enable this feature, token lifetime is automatically increased to 28 hours. So in a continuous access evaluation session, token lifetime is going to be long-lived. So you're going to go up to uh, 28 hours, and any type of revocation of a token is going to be driven 100% through those critical events and through policy evaluation. It's no longer just the arbitrary time period when things kind of come down on the side. So that might be a consideration for you or like, you know, maybe you need to start having conversations within your security organization or your identity organization today to like say like, hey, this is a cool feature we think we might want to use in the future. Like maybe we don't want to do it today in preview, but we want to use it when it comes out. You probably need to do some education with peers and things to make sure that they understand the way that works. As far as like non-CAE capable clients, they all stay at an hour unless you've gone ahead and configured the token lifetime, which is another preview feature. Yeah, this is like a whole mismatch of some preview, some not preview. And the other thing that it has, so we'll link to this documentation that helps with some of this is they do have a couple of good diagrams in there too of example flows. One flow for if you have the user revocation event flow, event flow, so like changing those passwords, disabling user accounts. And then they have another one for that user condition flow in kind of that path, how your refresh tokens work, where it evaluates policies, all of that, for some of those conditional access-based events as it relates to continuous access evaluation. Yes. Nothing like continuous access evaluation (laughs) and conditional access all in the same article. Yeah, totally not confusing at all. I think the other thing that's going to probably throw people off with this is like you mentioned the you know the potentially that lag or that latency that comes through. So that latency is different based on the resource provider. So for SharePoint Online and Teams, it's potentially a 15-minute delay. For Exchange Online, it's 35 to 40 minutes for certain events. So you accidentally disable a user, and then you go and re-enable them. They'll probably be okay in SharePoint and Teams within 15 (laughs) minutes, but they won't be okay with Exchange for at least 35 or 40. So might as well call it an hour at that point. Like Send them out to lunch or get a cup of coffee or something. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely an interesting feature and one that again, as this rolls out, I would definitely recommend that everybody turn it on in terms of keeping your environment secure. So again, you disable a user, you don't really want them accessing stuff once they've been disabled. So go turn it on. Your users shouldn't notice any different other than or notice anything different other than if you disable their account or they change their password, they just have to change it everywhere within a shorter time frame than maybe they did before. Yeah, it's okay for like people like you to turn on and your tenant, but maybe not for everybody in theirs. <laughs> okay, so maybe not for everybody. Be careful turning on new features. But once everything that you want to use is out of preview, from a security perspective, 
turn it on. Live on the edge. There was actually another cool identity one that kind of got announced right around the same time as this one, and it relates to PIM, Privileged Identity Management. Do you have a chance to catch up on the access reviews for Azure resource roles? I did not, but I have PIM enabled in my environment. Let me go pull this article up. So what are, learn more about these access reviews of the Azure resource roles and Azure AD roles. So with privilege identity management, you can have things like access reviews and time-bound access through roles associated with traditionally like a user principle within your Azure Active Directory. But it turns out that you actually have a lot of principles within your AD tenants. Like you're going to have service principles out there, whether you've created those yourselves, you might have like identities that are manifesting as MSIs or things like that from other Azure services. So now you effectively get the ability to potentially bring some of those into access reviews over time as well. So if I create a custom application and that application is associated with its own service principle and that service principle maybe has like a set of rights to the graph, right? I've I've given it access to I don't know. I wrote an application that reads user mailboxes and can send mail on their behalf. You know, it might be important that that application get reviewed like for its validity periodically. So you can go ahead and make those things happen now too and kind of treat service principles just like you would other privileged users within your organization. Got it. So this is just taking, because access reviews have been there. This is just they extending have. those yep. access reviews to those service principles. To service and principles apps. and to Azure roles as well. Azure AD roles. So potentially like having like an all up view of you know all the members of a given role, right? Like, hey, who are all the members who are global admins, things like that. Yep. Which you've probably been doing by hand up until now, but it, you know, and you still might continue to do that because PIM does have some licensing requirements. Like you have to have Azure AD premium P2 licenses to make that work. So you still might be going like the script route and slinging some PowerShell or, or scripting or things like that. Yeah. No, I like privileged identity management. I was keep trying to get people at least do it for all your admins. But adding access reviews, yeah, that that P2 can be a hurdle for some people when it comes to some of this stuff. Yeah, so I'll make sure that we link to both the articles because it is a little bit different for each of them. So for service principles versus Azure AD roles within there. Yep. So Scott, do you know how many files are shared outside your organization? Or are you sure that every team in your Microsoft 365 tenant has a valid owner? Guess what? ShareGate's got your back. After helping thousands of customers move to Office 365, they've learned that success in the cloud involves more than just migration. That's why they created ShareGate Apricot, an automated governance platform for Microsoft Teams and Microsoft 365 groups. ShareGate Apricot can help you answer questions like these without planning unnecessary restrictions on your users. With ShareGate Apricot, you get full visibility across each team's lifecycle from creation all the way through to archival. You can automate manual tasks involved in identifying problem areas like inactive or orphan teams. And you can collaborate with team owners on corrective measures to keep your teams tidy and secure. That's also why they've combined ShareGate Desktop, their trusted migration and content management tool, with ShareGate Apricot in a single subscription so that you have everything you need to be successful in the Microsoft cloud. It's been a a week, Scott. 
I feel like I say that every week though. Yeah, they just keep going, you know? They keep coming one right after the other. Anything else that you want to talk about? Anything else near and dear to your heart? I had one that popped up on my radar this week that has nothing to do with what we have been talking about, but it could be kind of nice for a few clients, a few people. Sure, yeah. I know. So power apps, and I'll try to keep this brief because we are running a little short on time, but you know power, have you done enough with power apps to know the whole environments things and that you end up running out of space with your environments and trying to create dev and test environments and your power platform stuff? I'm kind of tangentially aware with it. I don't, I don't do okay. a ton with power apps, to be honest with you, but I hear people so, like you complain about it enough. That... <laughs> that you know about it. So essentially with power apps, what you're given a gigabyte of database space. This is essentially for CDS. And within that power platform tenant, you can create different environments so that you could create like a sandbox and a test and multiple production environments and all of that. But regardless of if you put a CDS database in there or not, you need to have a gigabyte of space for each environment that you spin up. So most people spin up an environment, they can't add a dev or test one because that first environment takes the one gigabyte of space they're allocated. So now I want to go spin up a dev or test environment to do some dev and test power appy things. And I have to go start paying 40 bucks a month just for some more database space for another environment, even though I'm not even using CDS with it. That's annoying, but a different topic. What they announced this week is you can now go create a power apps dev environment for free. So it actually, you go out, you go through like, I want a dev environment, you sign in with your tenant ID, and it creates another environment for free that you can use within Power Apps and your tenant to do Power Apps development in. So it doesn't, you don't run into that whole restriction with database sizes. So I went and just clicked through the links to try it. And there's some requirements there. I'll go find the article that we can put to it in the show notes. But now in my Office 365 environment, I have Ben Stedjink's development environment in Power Apps that I can do all that development in without spending that extra 40 bucks a month just for my extra database space to create a development environment. So... Kind of a nice, handy little feature. So is this the developer plan piece then? or is It's like the developer plan piece of Power Apps. I think that's what they actually called it. Gotcha, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, that Power Apps developer plan is that it's the same thing, right? The free development environment to go ahead and and, and play around. Yeah. Yep. And hopefully save yourself 40 bucks a month. Because I have a few clients that, again, they've wanted a development environment. They have someone that wants to play around with Power Apps, but they don't want to muddle up that production environment or possibly impact connectors in that environment. And they don't really want to pay an extra $480 a year for it. So yeah. this is a nice alternative. See, I like with, without stuff like this available, I think like if you're a partner, like I would just go out and create a CDX tenant <laughs> and then leave it out there to die. Yeah. So that was another tidbit that I ran across this week that was nice and I didn't see any blog posts about it. The only reason I saw this is it showed up on Twitter. I haven't seen any official announcements anywhere about this one which is why I kind of wanted to call it out as well. Yeah, I don't recall seeing any, but I'll put a link to the official docs in the show notes. So they're there for everybody because it it has made it into the docs for how to sign up for that plan specifically as its own kind of plan. Yep. All right. Sounds good. Well, cool. Thanks, Ben. Well, with that, you're welcome. Thank you. Now it's back to... Back to work yet on my Friday afternoon. Here we go again. Yep, here we go. Well, enjoy your weekend. 
Enjoy the sun, the warm. It is officially summer in Florida. It is hot. Kids are swimming. The pool is open. Yeah. And we will talk to you next week. All right, man. Thanks. If you enjoyed the podcast, go leave us a five-star rating in iTunes. It helps to get the word out so more IT pros can learn about Office 365 and Azure. If you have any questions you want us to address on the show or feedback about the show, feel free to reach out via our website, Twitter, or Facebook. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.